0: sure why Why not not? so if y'all listen to that episode that we had samantha williams on last week she talked about her involvement with broadway for racial justice well we actually got a chance to catch up with noah magaka they are an executive assistant within that organization and they are on the executive board now before we get into today's episode we wanted to take a moment to highlight noah and the wonderful work that they are doing with this wonderful organization so have a listen
1: Hey, y'all. Hi, Noah. Hi, Noah. How's it going? Good. So good, so good. How are you? (laughs) Living our best life. Oh my gosh, doing well.
0: So you just started working for Broadway for Racial Justice. Go ahead and why don't you explain to the audience uh, what that is and what your role within that organization is.
1: Yeah, so Broadway for Racial Justice is a nonprofit organization. Uh, It was founded in June of last year. So kind of an um, immediate response to what was going on uh, in the United States of America and what has kind of continued to go on uh, over the years. Uh, So our founder and executive director, Brandon Michael Nace, you know, kind of looked to his left and looked to his right and was like, I have people around me who are ready to do this work and, you know, make a nonprofit organization happen. Our mission statement is actually... uh, I'll just read it verbatim, <laughs> um, is fighting for racial justice and equity by providing immediate resources, assistance, and amplification for Black Indigenous people of color in the Broadway and theatrical community at large. In doing so, we help to create safe spaces throughout the theater community for creativity and artistry to thrive. And so, we are not, you know, our title is Broadway for Racial Justice, uh, but we are focused on the community at large. So uh, that involves regional theaters, uh, summer stock theaters. Um, and I can get into more specifics later about like what we have to offer there, but um, that's just the basis of how the organization was started. And I, my involvement actually came, um, it's funny, I really believe in like universal synchronicity so like things just really like all in the place at the right time and uh at that time you know like at uh, the month of june and most of july i was just kind of like it's like i need to do something in response to um what happened because it's something i had been witnessing for so long and to see that like reck- reckoning amongst the you know nation i was like now's the time to like really get involved and um I was inspired by a lot of, like, grassroots organizers. um, So I was just kind of like, how do I get involved in this work? Um, And that led to me, you know, asking some friends who had been on, like, panels with Broadway for Racial Justice already, um, and they were like, oh, just, like, email, you know, email Brandon. And so I was, like, nagging Brandon in emails, being like, hi, like. (laughs) I don't know what I can do or how I can help. But, like, I'm <laughs> Behind me, <I'm> please. <laughs> and, and it was funny because a lot of, I was also doing a lot of like journaling and like meditating at the time. And just a lot of what was kind of like uh, coming up through that was just like, that I was ready to take a next step in, and uh, like, I was getting a lot of signs of like leadership and just like taking the next step of like, um, Doing the thing I've been always been wanting to do, and like feeling like what I have to say like actually can like make a difference. So I feel like all of those things kind of came together along with me nagging Brandon in his email. Yeah. Which at the time was probably exploding or it was exploding because, uh, you know, that's kind of been the crazy thing about Broadway for racial justice is it really like just jumped off and it, like skyrocketed from um, June of last year. and so I came on towards the end of July, um, I came on. So very shortly after everything had kind of started, um, and my official role is the executive assistant. Um, and so currently we have an executive board, um, and I'm part of the executive board. And then we also have our board of directors. Um, and so, yeah, I've, That's my capacity in which I work with Broadway for Racial Justice at the moment. And it's been amazing because, you know, the role of executive assistant is essentially what I've learned is like needing to know everything that's going on and um, have a pulse on all that we're doing and, you know, kind of have the answers for everyone of um, through Brandon, our executive director. Um, so that's kind of my personal journey and involvement um, up until now. It's It's been amazing. Like I said, it's just been skyrocketing. So just feeling like um, we're feeling like we just got to, like, keep up with the demand for, um, which is such a great issue to have. You know, we've sure. seen a lot of, like, the community's reaction, I think, has been so surprising to me. Doing this work isn't always necessarily, like, immediately fulfilling or immediately, like, um, Popular in any way, um, so I think kind of having our trajectory really uh, or grow exponentially has just been exciting, and and I feel really gracious to like be a part of the found foundations of Broadway for racial justice.
2: Yeah. Wow. What are what are what are some
1: of the programs that you you've been a part of? Right. So. Um, I'm not necessarily directly a part of, like, one specific or the other um, because my role kind of just involves me having to uh, coordinate and be uh, facilitate, like, emails and all that correspondence and setting up all of these things. Um, One of the things I did get to facilitate, which was really awesome, um, was this conference that we did in January called Decolonize This, and it was a... uh, it was a weekend, whole weekend long of a, a conference. Of course, it was virtual um, due to the circumstances. But we had, you know, people like Lisa, Tommy, and Karen Olivo, and Eden Espinoza, and people in the industry. But also, we contrasted that with people that um, are and have been doing this grassroots organizing. Uh, Groundwater Arts is another organization out there, um, and we had Tara Moses and Annalisa Diaz from there. Uh, you know, kind of do a It was the intro that was just a breakdown of colonization in this country and just kind of get the bare bones, uh, you know, gist of uh, how this land was colonized and how that still infiltrates society today. So we kind of started with that and then did um, all these different sessions. And I got to um, moderate a discussion with Karen and Eden around classroom culture and um, how we can strive to make... You know, our physical classrooms and and the uh, energy and culture that we're creating in those rooms uh, attempt to make them safer than they've been before. So that was something I was directly involved in. But when it comes to programming with Broadway for Racial Justice, our biggest three, I would say, is the hotline. So we have an emergency hotline and that um, is has and um, will continue to be open um, Monday through Friday, I believe from 12 to six are the hours. Um, and this is a hotline in which uh, people can report instances of racial trauma that they're experiencing within their institution, whether that be educational or a show that they're in or anything um, related to that and report it to a um, trained BIPOC volunteer who is can then like intake that and either just be a, you know, comforting and um, sounding board for what this person experienced, or um, we can document it. And uh, this actually ties into our allied program: um, reach out to the institution and uh, create a conversation of what happened. And um, we don't believe in cancel culture, so those kind of relationships are genuinely about. Um, being in conversation with how we eliminate or attempt to eliminate those things from happening. So um, the conversation would more so be around accountability and taking accountability for what happened to that person and figuring out how we can, um, you know, help them in healing from that circumstance. So that directly ties into Allied with Broadway for Racial Justice, which is a program we have, um, which kind of is for that reason. So this is that filtering Aspect. So if an institution, whether it be a show, um, educational space, really like anything involved in the theatrical community, uh, producer, producing um, teams can ally with us, and um, essentially what that is, is they submit protocol changes for how they're going to create more equitable spaces in which uh, would be reviewed by the board of directors um, of Broadway for Racial Justice, and. Uh, we would submit those uh, reviews or anything that might need to be tweaked, any language or anything like that. And once we would get to a good starting place, um, begin the converse or begin the allied relationship in which uh, it essentially, we have check-ins with them on how things are going with, um, you know, their anti-racism work. And also uh, they will encourage the people who work with them to use the hotline and say hey you know if something ever comes up for you you don't feel comfortable coming to us there's a group of um BIPOC folks who can hear what you have to say and um we can have that healthy relationship that hasn't really uh, existed within the community already so that's the allied program and then we also have an emergency assistance fund which uh is really trying attempting to deconstruct all the hoops people have to jump through to get financial assistance So it is for Black, Indigenous, people of color identifying folks who, um, you know, are in emergency assistance situation um, in which they need some extra money and um, can apply for this, you know, micro grant that will then go to a board outside of our organization to review. And then, yeah, if it's approved, then we uh, submit that micro grant. And uh, that's just another, that's the third and Final portion I would say of just our like basic programming that we have. We've done virtual concerts and things like that, but yeah. I feel like I've been rambling on for a while.
0: Now. <laughs> no, it's all it's all incredible. This is why we had you on. We wanted to know about it. Um, I have a question. Is are there and this could be classified, I don't know, but is there is there any events or anything coming up that you're particularly excited about or anything that's kind of in the works that, that you that you think that people should, you know, have on their radars?
1: Okay, first, let me think about what I'm allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said. It might be classified. I don't I'm know. I'm allowed to say something, but I'm like, I don't know, timeline-wise. Um, what I can... Next month. So, actually, tonight is our final for Black History Month, because I guess that's why next month we don't have a ton of stuff going on, because Black History Month, we've uh, had three portions of it, yeah. simplify, educate, and um, celebrate. And so um, actually at 7pm tonight, we are are going, our YouTube live will be showing um, our last set for the Revival concert, which is a part of our Celebrate uh, portion Mm -hmm. of Black History Month. So that's been a concert that um, Brandon produced and put together of, uh, you know, some up and coming Black artists who um, could use the amplification and... They, uh, we did a little interview situation and got to hear about why they're singing the song that they chose to sing, and um, that all the songs are black artists, and uh, so that's been really exciting. And that's Black History Month has been taking up a lot of the capacity of the organization because sure. there's a yeah. lot of moving parts, but that's fine. finishing tonight is our last um, our last set for that. But the until the end of February, we'll be releasing content. Um, for Black History Month, all the nonprofit organizations we've been amplifying. We've also been amplifying um, artists outside of the people involved in the concert series on our page through videos that they submitted. And the cool thing I think also that I'll mention about our organization is we're very, we care a lot about compensating people for their work um, appropriately. So it feels good to say that every BIPOC artists we had involved, we were able to compensate in some way yes. um, and you know, pay them for submitting their work and performing.
0: Love that.
2: That's incredible.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, Noah, so thank you for, for uh, explaining uh, all of that to us and to our listeners. Is there, yeah. uh, where can they find, like on social media, where can they find this organization and where can they find you specifically if you want people to follow you? Throw throw out your socials there for us, if you would.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at that. (laughs) Um, For Broadway for Racial Justice, uh, our website is www.bfrj.org. And I would say our website is the best place. It has pretty much everything about what goes on at BFRJ. And um, there's also a resource hub that also has some definitions and... Um, some other resources that are just beneficial in, you know, helping people start their anti-racism work or continue that. Um, And our Instagram is at Broadway for racial justice. Uh, Just all those words all the way through. And my Instagram handle is at no-tenth of Noah. Uh, A little pun there.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, Noah, thank you so, so much for, uh, for doing this little promo spot for us yes. and uh, for getting the information out there, because this is important work. You are doing the important work, and it's only just beginning. So we really do appreciate you coming on with us today. Yes, We're thank going. you so much, Noah. If you would like to be featured on our show, just like Noah or Julia Franklin, reach out to us. Reach out to us on social media at SureWhyNotPod, and we'll get you on the show. You'll be able to talk about any artistic endeavor you're working on, or perhaps you started a business, or perhaps you're just doing a stage reading over Zoom and you want to tell us about it. Let us know and we'll get you on the show. But for right now, let's get back to the show. Larry, I am very, very excited for our episode today. Are you excited?
2: I am so excited. I don't even know what to do right now. I've got my bunny ears on. I've yeah. been like, excited all week about this.
0: For, yeah, for those I at home wait. listening, for those listening, Larry has pink bunny ears on. And That's he's right. Like, he's like, I'm ready for this episode. It's going to happen. And he's like, I'm just going to laugh the right. oh, whole time. It's a God, lot. Well, the reason why... The reason why we are so excited today is because we have a guest we have a very special guest here today he is an actor that hails from upstate new york i was told and he currently lives in the city and um he uh has many uh, many credits to his name uh some of which include the broadway casts of the bridges of madison county the book of mormon currently he is starring in tina the Tina Turner musical. <laughs> he also has been involved uh, with Parade at Lincoln Center and he also was involved in the regional revival production of The Secret Garden and he's just an all-around good fellow. Uh, Larry knows him and I am very happy that I get to talk to him today and, uh, and become better friends with him today. And our guest today is none other than Charles Franklin. Hi, Charles. Hey!
3: Charles Franklin. <inaudible> it's so interesting hearing the name Charles. I have oh. like, I guess you're <laughs> you're Charlie, name is Charlie isn't it? It's no, it's uh, you know, it's it's weird because I hear Charles all day because I'm with my family all the time. Yeah, but. You know, it's it's. I don't expect it anymore, which is so weird to get to that point where I just expect someone to say Charlie and I hear Charles, which is what I grew up as. And why yeah. should that be weird? <laughs> Anywho. I'm,
0: it's my name. <laughs> uh,
3: we, we did forget to
2: mention that Charles was also featured in The Loudest Voice and uh, yes. Shades of Blue as well. And a very, very interesting show called Fate Twisted Simply, Huh? I, Are you on my
3: IMDb? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: That's another issue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another Charlie Franklin.
2: No and, way. And, Is that and true?
3: Combined our IMDb pages. And I've written to them about this. I'm like, hey, I don't, I love all the credits, but I can't accept them all. So I'm, like, I, you know, I've sent them emails. I've said, hey, I, this isn't me. I've only done these ones, and, and they have yet to respond. So maybe they're like, one we're going to
2: give you all
3: the credits. That's oh, the thing, man. I feel like when I get more credits, then they'll finally be like, wait, you didn't get those, and then they'll take them all away again. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just ban your account for like ever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My
2: God i was i was watching the preview for it and i was like wow when did charles shoot this these clips like maybe he's like a featured background person
3: nope i have i know nothing about that project i hope it's amazing for the other charlie franklin's sake but i I just man yeah maybe i should watch it and see if there was even a part for me back in what 1998 whenever that was <laughs> there's
2: some like love triangle between the dad and the like girlfriend it's oh, boy. it's interesting
3: yeah 6 year old um, so me would have played the dad
2: <laughs> started your broadway career uh while you were still in school And um, your your first show was bridges and what was that process like, did you tell anyone, hey, I'm auditioning for the show, I might book it? What it was like and and what was your experience?
3: Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I at Pace, we were not required, but definitely encouraged to to speak to the staff and, and, and our teachers and, and just talk about what projects we thought we could be going in for. And they would either advise us to go or not. And usually, you know, usually I think for the most part, they'd say, yeah, okay, great. I just think they wanted to, you know, make sure that you were going out for stuff that you were absolutely ready for. So you didn't start your career off with a, you know, bad name or anything. But I don't really remember, you know, being told like, yeah, definitely go. But I, I did anyway. And I, it, yeah, I feel like I just got lucky. It was down to you know two people, I was like, wow, okay, I think this might actually go my way. And I then, you know, got the call like right after my final call back, <laughs> had to go to class. And I was like, oh, this is so weird. All I wanna do is like go out and celebrate and nope, I gotta go to class now. Um, but it was fun, it was nice. It was a cool experience to, you know, swing. Swinging by itself is is tough, but then to also throughout the week, when I'm not at the theater, I had class, so I think that really set me up for how difficult this business is was gonna be, and it is absolutely very difficult, especially now. <laughs> if you're booking now, <laughs> wow, good for you! <laughs> this Pandemic, it's, you know, man. So what? What? Yeah. What school year was that for you? Was that junior year or, or senior? It year? was my senior year. I had I had one semester left, so it wasn't so bad, you know. Yeah. And I, I knew, and I had gotten most of my classes out of the way. So it was, I had the ability to kind of be taking what I wanted to take at that time. And so I could reconfigure my schedule to make it all work.
2: Do you remember the moment when you met Jason Robert Brown?
3: Do I remember the moment? I met Jason, I think he had actually done a workshop for my mom's vocal studio a couple of years before. I had met him before that audition. I, I don't think we'd ever worked together on anything and i'm not sure i ever did a workshop with him i think he did a workshop and then he did a concert afterwards in this old church and he just sat at a (laughs) piano and sang like eight songs and i just was blown away i was I, i was obsessed with jason robert brown and to the point where in school we had a we had an assignment in my business of acting class my first semester that just said give yourself a goal and my goal was to get cast in a new Jason Robert Brown musical no way and it I, oh, wow. I I mean before I even knew Bridges was a thing that was you know it wasn't even a blip in my memory and and then just <laughs> it's just so cool you know to by the second semester have accomplished that so, I mean obviously I was so lucky to do so I don't think that like I was like yeah exactly because I wrote it down but obviously it helped (laughs) I'm a big believer in writing things down at this point
0: you were a swing on that show what roles did you cover
3: I covered um basically all the guys um (laughs) there were there were there had to be a crazy situation for me to go on for like you know the older ensemble member in the show but but I learned them all And then I I also was specifically hired to cover um, Michael, the son. Nice. Yeah, which is played by the wonderful Derek Quenna. He's a huge
0: fan of the show, Derek.
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you get to meet
2: the entire cast? Were you sort of like, oh, my God.
3: That was also interesting. It's the first time I've heard of this happening, but we were brought in, all the swings were brought in at the end of Tech Week. Or no, beginning of Tech Week. So we saw (laughs) the final run in the studio. And then, um, and then we were just kind of went right into the theater. So it was a game of catch up at that point.
0: Wow. Yeah.
3: Um, wow. Actually, I, li- I lied to you. We were, we were invited to the first, uh, the meet and greet that led into the first read through of the script, but I, we didn't stay for the read through. I'm not sure if we were kicked out or if it was a situation where they're like, <laughs> you can go if you want. And we left. I imagine that I would have stayed, but yes but it was a it was fun it was i mean just the greatest group of of swings to spend all day with it was just such a great experience
0: yeah so
3: like how do you prepare to swing a role? you personally oh gosh i mean there's the whole physical aspect of just having everything you need note cards and and you know just you want to label all your pages and write down the blocking for each person. And then it was also, I had never, I'd never swung anything and I had never thought that I would be in that position at that time that I was. So it was kind of extremely opening. I, I, I basically wrote down everyone's moves left and right. And I know that I probably (laughs) didn't have to go that detailed, but I was just so nervous that I was going to mess something up because, you know, Broadway was the dream. And then now I was here and I was like, if I have to go on for this, I, I I better do it well. And, and then (laughs) I I did have to go on, on March 8th, 2014. That's this Monday.
0: That's coming
3: up. Yeah. And uh, it was because uh, one of the ensemble guys uh, had laryngitis and he had done the matinee. And then for the night show, uh, he had called out and I was just first I was super excited. And then I just was like, hey, can you stick around for a sec and just kind of like answer some questions for me? And he ended up, bless his soul, walking me through every single scene on the wow. stage because, you know, he That's it's awesome. not like he got hurt. He was. He was just unable to talk. So he was like pointing me out. His name is Luke. Thanks, Luke. And um, it ended up just being everyone on stage, just basically pushing me everywhere <laughs> I needed to go. Shove with love. The one rule was do not hit Kelly O'Hara when you wheel on the staircase. And so I was like, oh. I'm going to hit Kelly O'Hara when I wheel on the staircase. I'm Charlie Franklin. Of course, I'm going to hit her. Like, I mess up everything. <laughs> Um, and I ended up not hitting her. And so then the rest of the show went, uh, you know, smoothly. That was the opening. So
0: that's incredible. What does that, what does, a? so you said that that was after the matinee. So it was for the night show that you went on.
3: Mm -hmm. So were you at
0: the theater? Like, I know a lot of people listening, they may not entirely understand like what a swing's purpose is or like where they should be. When like, were you at the theater or are you called every day? Can you explain a little bit about that?
3: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're always in the, in the theater. Swings are there no matter what, just because in case something happens. When I did a Mormon, I called out mid-show a couple of times. And and honestly, by the time I got off stage, it's amazing what stage management can do. There's someone just waiting in costume, like ready to go on for your next (laughs) Mid-scene. It's pretty unbelievable. But, and, you know, if it's not an emergency, word travels pretty fast. So for something like laryngitis, I've done this. And this is what, what Luke had done is, I think he was, you know, starting to realize it was going and people were were starting to warn me just to be ready, you know, just in case. And when it ended up happening, it wasn't as big of a surprise as like, you know, go on right now. I had all that in between to prepare for it, which was really nice, but yeah, Mm -hmm. we're always there and we're always just, um, I mean, it, you know, it gets boring until something like that happens. And then, and then, you know, for the the week after that, you're just yeah. sitting there thinking, okay, it's going to happen again. I got to be ready. I can't just you know, sit back here and watch a TV anymore. I got to be ready to go. <laughs> right. Um, but it makes it better when you just just it on, I think too.
0: Sure.
3: Sometimes.
2: Uh, your, <laughs> your next show was Book of Mormon after that. Um, yes. So how did that sort of happen?
3: That was a fun one. I had gone in for that show, um, in may of 2014 and i that was the last time i went in and then in november of 2014 i got a phone call i uh, i'm not sure what i think it was a monday morning and i they said you start rehearsals at two and i so i i went in for a costume fitting at like (laughs) noon i think and I was still, I had no idea what was going on. You know, I, I was wrapping my head around the fact that I was going to be at another Broadway show because, you know, after you do one, you're like, that, that might have been it. You know, who knows? You yeah. know I mean? So it, it's, it's hard. It, it's a hard business. You never know when it's going to come up again. So I, I was floored. Um, I went in. I had a music rehearsal. I learned the entire show. And the first thing we started with was Spooky Mormon Hell Dream," And I was learning the <laughs> vocals. And I stopped him about halfway through and I was like, I'm sorry, can you walk me through what this show is about? Because I have no clue what the hell you're talking about. I had no idea what was going on. And so, yeah, he was very nice and and walked me through it. But then that (laughs) night, this makes the story even crazier. That night I was being thrown into a show at the Duke theater off Broadway that I had done in a reading. Because someone um, who was playing my part in that show went to go film a movie. So they were throwing me in for that one night. And I was supposed to have a put-in that day to learn basically the whole show. Which I had been watching a couple nights beforehand. And I couldn't go to the put-in because I had Mormon rehearsals. And I, and I, told, I told them, I was like, listen, I have a Broadway commitment. Now I, I don't know what to do. And they were like, it's okay. We'll just come and we'll you know figure it out. So that night, I went on for this sh- role of the show that I wasn't in. And then the next day, I woke up and went to Mormon rehearsal again. And I was like, what is my entire life? <laughs> and I don't that? think anything will be as crazy as that was. The show is the underclassman, And it, I, I would have dropped anything to do it because it, it was a phenomenal show. So I'm glad that I got the chance <laughs> to do that <laughs> to one do show. It. <laughs> you know, even in the midst of the madness, it was worth it. With,
2: with Book of Mormon, did they tell you, okay, you're playing this role and you're covering these roles
3: yeah so i didn't cover in mormon and that was another thing that i was happy about at the time you know as time went on i was like i could probably be doing something else here but at that point i was just glad glad to be learning the you know 15 ensemble tracks that i was you know racing through on stage but yeah it was just kind of my agent called and was like hey you start rehearsal now go i was like okay oh it, you know it's it, i don't even remember i remember walking out into the into my you know living room of my apartment and micah wallace was there and i was like micah he was like what i was like i'm gonna be in book of mormon on broadway today he was like
0: what <laughs>
3: <Today>. <laughs> it was just ridiculous
2: so how do you how do you like rehearse that show with no one else
3: because everyone else is already yeah. doing the
2: show. Do no,
3: actually, I did rehearse with somebody. I went in with, um, ugh, magically, I went in with my dance partner. Um, so for most of the numbers, you're paired up with the same person. And we both got added into the show on the same day. So that was really amazing. Because we could rehearse with each other and then we got to go on. And, you know, some of the numbers we danced with other people. But um, for the main numbers that we learned, we were we learned it with each other. And then we got to do it on stage the first night together, which was great. But it, It it is one of those things where you you do not know what it's going to feel like until you're out there because you're learning the numbers and it's really hard. You have we had a week and a half before our put in it was the following Friday. I started on the Monday and it was the following Friday. And then we did a put in with the cast where we were the only ones in costume. And there's no lights. Um, there's no orchestra, it's just a piano in the, in the audience and the cast is, you know, they're, they have shows going on, they're not phoning it in by any means, but they're taking it easy and so you don't know what it feels like until you finally go on. We went on that following Tuesday for the first time and we got out there for Hello, well I guess at this point I'm speaking for myself, but the lights are so bright and you do not know <laughs> what it's going to feel like until you get out there and you can't see anybody. That You can't see the audience at all, but you feel them. It is this (laughs) palpable energy. And it was the scariest thing in the world. It was so scary that I, you know, I messed up once or twice in the show. not Nothing major, but at the end of the show, I was like, I don't want to go on and do that again tomorrow. It it was so scary. (laughs) And, you know, I did, and then it became fun. After about a week, I remember being like, oh, I get to do this all the time, and it's a job, and I'm getting used to it, and it's not scary anymore. And now... You know, I've done this show twice. I can go in. I could probably go in tomorrow and know that track better than I know my Tina track. You know, it's just, it just becomes muscle memory when you do it for that long.
0: Yeah. It's such a that fun show
3: amazing. Gosh! Oh, it's the best myself. time ever. And How is, it with, well, it's because
2: of the reactions. Do you, are you guys instructed to sort of like hold or how does that, how do they direct you as far as like the audience's reaction do
3: you just, I think if there's something that you're consistently screwing up, um, they'll tell you eventually, but it's mainly a feel it out for yourself. And then when the um, associate directors come in and, and they're, you know, able to, you know, give you their, their few notes that they usually give for a, a long running production. If you're messing them up big time, they'll be, they'll tell you and <laughs> Other than that, I think um, it's just a learning experience. And that's what's also so cool is, you know, you can change things. As long as you're not changing your blocking and changing the notes, you can make different choices. And sometimes things land and sometimes things don't, but you're never going to find what works if you don't try new things. And you're never going to, if you're not, if you're sticking with the same stuff every night, you'll never know if there's something funnier. You'll never know if there's something that'll connect on a deeper level with other people. And so it is fun to... That's why it's called a play, you know? You're just supposed to play.
1: And uh, yeah, exactly. if you have
3: a cast that is so open and accepting and, and friendly as, um, as the Mormon cast was and as the Tina cast is, um, then it's, it just makes it extra fun, you know?
2: Absolutely. Um, so after Mormon, you decide to take a... Different. Um, you do Secret Garden. How did that decision come about? Because you were you were on a Broadway show, but you decided to take a chance and do a tour. How did did, it, did the contracts work? How did that
3: all happen? Yeah. So Dickens was was my dream role. It was if someone asked me what part I wanted to play, it was Dickens, and I always said that. And so when this opportunity presented itself. I got this audition and it was usually I get a call from my agents and my my first feeling is, oh, gosh, I hope that that is going to be a role that's right for me because I I get so nervous for auditions, especially if I'm going in for something that I'm a little uncomfortable for uh, even a little like if I'm if I'm very uncomfortable, I'm going to you know feel awful. I go anyway, <laughs> for the most part. And usually, you know, for Tina, I was really uncomfortable. I didn't feel like it was right for me at all. And it turns out it was. But for this Secret Garden audition, I got the call. And I, I, I just knew, I was like, I have to book that. And I didn't know I was going to book it, but I went in for it. 100% prepared. Just, I had worked on the Yorkshire accent for a while. I was really excited about it. I had worked with Marsha Norman who wrote the book to secret garden. Um, she wrote the book to bridges. So I had that connection, which I felt really comfortable about. Yeah. Um, so that made me feel good in the room too. And I had a great audition, and and I so rarely say that, but I felt really good about it. And then I had a great callback, and I was like, you know, this is this might work. And there was that feeling of, you know, I'm on a Broadway show. If I leave this, I might not get another one. But the opportunity to play Dickon, I think, was was bigger than that. And that's what this career is about. You know, is like you know making sacrifices. And maybe that show, you know, we didn't. There wasn't any talks of it coming to Broadway but eventually there was, but I, I just was so excited about it. And so when I did get it, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that I had to take it and I don't regret it. You know, we did three productions and they went really well. And we, I worked with such amazing people and it was such a great opportunity. Yeah. Bummer that it didn't come to Broadway and I hope that it does soon with or without me, but it's just a perfect show. And I'm, I'm so excited. I was so excited to do it. And then afterwards, you know, when I'm out of a job again, after doing a couple shows, then, then it sets in that I'm like, I left that Broadway show, that government job that I had. And now, was it really worth it playing Dickon? You know, and then you get another one and you go, yeah, it was. It was great. That's
2: amazing. Yeah. Um, it, in between that time, between um, going back to Mormon and after Secret Garden, you got the opportunity to do Big River
3: and Parade. Yeah. Well, Parade was actually, Parade I got before I booked Mormon. Um, I was doing, uh, I had just, I sent in a tape. I was doing Lord of the Flies out in Denver and I sent in a tape for Parade. And and then I just got a call from my agent. He was like, hey, you got this. I was like, what? That's awesome. (laughs) I've been singing Old Red Hills of Home for like every audition for my entire life. So it's just, I was so excited. And then parade i actually had to take a night off from mormon a couple weeks in a couple weeks in i think yeah about a month later to do um the parade concert because it was already a commitment i had and then for big river that that was i don't know how i got that job i um (laughs) i went in for huck and then i got uh, a callback to come in for the ensemble and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I I like this show. It'll be a really cool experience. I'll go for it." And I went in, and they they, they asked me if I could sing "Hand for the Hog," and I was like, "I was like, uh, I, I would love to, but I don't know what that is." And so they were like, "Okay, that's okay. Um, do you have a song that maybe would fit this like Tom Sawyer vibe?" And I had done this show "Orphan Train" in high school that. I played this like roughy in high school, like high schooler kid back in, you know, the olden days. And and the song fit perfectly. <laughs> it was just about this kid who was like, I don't care about anything. And uh,
0: Perfect.
3: it must've worked. Cause you know, I went in for the ensemble and then I got, I left and I got a phone call that was like, hey, they want you to play Tom story. I was like, how? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I didn't even know his song. Oh, man. You know, in talking to you guys, I think I'm realizing that I have been the luckiest human being in this entire career. You're also
0: also just incredibly humble and just the vibe of, how did this happen?
3: It is like, how did this happen will be the name of my memoir.
0: Yeah, how did this happen?
3: And it will start with me going, I'm cool enough to write a memoir? How did this happen? How did this
0: happen? I've watched that. I have watched that parade concert more times than i care to admit and it i it must have just felt so badass to just open like you know everyone's excited like it's a stacked cast all these people are in it and the orchestra and like so everyone's
3: excited and then like
0: you're the first person that they see it must have felt
3: so cool it was it was the scariest thing Um, well yeah of course that too yeah at the point I was backstage, I was like uh, hyperventilating almost about to go yeah. on stage. But unlike Mormon, I, you know, JRB went on and they all applauded him. And I, that like the echo of, of uh, I don't think it's called the same thing now, but I think it's called David Geffen Hall. I, I think, think that's so. what it's called yeah. now. Maybe not. That place in Lincoln Center, it just echoed like crazy. And so I got extra nervous. And then I walked on and I got to the mic and the, the the drums had already, you know, had been going and I immediately lost all my fear. It's one of the only times I didn't have stage fright um, really? was uh, when I went on to sing that song. And I don't know why. I mean, I know that, you know, I had been singing that song for forever and I, I knew it like the back of my hand, but uh, it was just... I think it was just this feeling of like this this might be the most important moment of your whole career, so there's no point in stressing about it. You gotta just let go and do it, yeah, and it it felt really good. It it felt good. It was a one. It was definitely the coolest night of my life um, thus far, and uh, just to work with those people too. I wish that we had had more than two weeks on it because uh, one week. I think it was only one week. It's one week. I think so. And uh, I. I you know I barely remember it cuz it just went by so fast.
0: Sure. But it's so cool.
3: And that was
2: your second time working with with Jason Robert Brown.
0: Yeah. Good old Jason. <laughs> Good old Jay. <laughs> Good old Jay. <laughs> uh,
2: so at that point you you end up going back into Mormon. Yep. You're recast in, in a different different role this time. Um what what track were you your second time in in mormon
3: the first time i was elder brown etc and the second time i was <laughs> elder davis etc um but i like to pronounce it elder davis and and i introduce <laughs> myself in the show um as as elder davis and uh so mckinley does and Stephen ashfield who played mckinley sometimes just to like change up the show on stage would introduce me as elder davis and it would throw everybody off (laughs) and so much of that happened in that show nothing that would you know really screw with the audience but just little things like that and it's keeping a straight face on stage with those guys in that show is the it's the hardest thing in the entire world because they're the funniest people ever and you just look around, and everyone's trying not to laugh, and that makes you want to yeah. laugh even harder. And that was what the yeah. entire experience of Book of Mormon was for me. <laughs> Did you have
2: to relearn? Well, it's a new track, so it's same songs, different choreography, different spots. Was that crazy for you the first couple of weeks going in because you were used to it the was. track?
3: I had enough of a break, I think, where I, I remembered a lot of the choreography. And so a couple of things where it's like, you're turning over your left now instead of your right was a little bit annoying at first. But um, <laughs> it never really messed with me too bad. I was added to All-American Profit because I played Brigham Young in the first time that I was in it. And then the second time I played a Pioneer and it was so much more fun. <laughs> and that was my favorite number in the show to do. So it was just cool to go back and be able to do something else, you know.
2: Yeah. So you, your agent gets in touch with you. Um, how does he present auditioning for Tina?
3: Yeah. I got an email about going in for Tina and I, yeah. I have this thing where every time I get an email for a, 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 a pop rock or, you know, not traditional musical theater show, I just go, I'm not right for it. I I'm not, that's not for me. And so my immediate thought is I'm going to tell my agents to turn it down and obviously I don't end up following through with that 95% of the time because I'm an actor and I want a job um, so I look at the lines I look at the script and I start to see that this character is kind of awesome he comes in in act two which is awesome, awesome. <laughs> and um, he's just kind of like a, he's really driven he's the comic relief of act two a little bit You know, and that's it just kind of I realized was (laughs) a dream role that I didn't have. (laughs) And I was like, well, that'd be cool to originate something that is I feel really right for me. And so I went in for it kind of reluctantly. But at that point, I was like, you know, uh, I've done enough pop rock stuff where even if I feel out of place, I had I definitely had imposter syndrome going in for it. But I, I think I was able to. Go in. I had to go in with an Australian accent, and My I felt favorite. really good on the accent.
2: My favorite
3: there. <laughs> so I went into the room, and uh, and the director was so sweet, Phyllida Lloyd, and she she was just. She made me feel so comfortable. She's one of those directors that just got up and started working with you. Yeah. And I had, you know, worked on the side. She was like, great, do it again and do this. And I was like, great. And I did. And she was like, awesome. And really, really great on the accent. I was like, hey, yeah, okay, great. Thank um, <laughs> you. Uh, and then, this is the best. She took 10 minutes and just asked me questions. She was just oh, like... It was, I mean, maybe it wasn't 10 minutes. Maybe it was just 10 minutes in my mind because I was, you know, I want to get out of this audition room now. <laughs> yeah. But she was like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I was like, uh, okay. So I was brutally honest too because I wasn't prepared. So I was like, not here. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, as much as I love theater, I was like, I don't want to be doing this my whole life. I want a family, you know, I want to like go and live in a cabin somewhere on a lake. And, and she was like, okay thank you for coming in. I was like, okay. And I left and just kicking myself the whole way home being like, well, Good
2: not only am I
3: not booking that job, I'm never booking a job again. Um, oh and then magically I booked it. And I think really uh, what I at least tell myself is that I, I had just escaped this look of desperation because I, I just was like, you know what? If I don't get this job, it's not the end of the world. Cause it's not really my, wheelhouse. So I thought, and I loved the audition, which I so rarely do. Usually I hate an audition. And then I'm like, I want the show just to prove that I can do it, but I had a really good audition. So I was like, I don't, I, I feel good, but you know, getting the opportunity to do it, do it is even better. And I, I had heard that um, in the rehearsal process, uh, Phyllida said that she only casts people that she feels like she wants to go on vacation with. And that made Ooh. me feel really nice because it, it is one of those things yeah. where, you know, it just shows that you need to also be a good person exactly. in this business,
0: exactly, and just
3: have the talent. Um, Say it a little. And sometimes louder. being a good person is more important than the talent. I mean, it is more important than the talent, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's so incredible. That's that.
0: So with Tina, ah. obviously, there's uh, people are flocking to it. It's it's got all the buzz. Larry and I have both seen it. It's incredible. Do you have any? Well, first of all, the character you play, his name is Roger Davies, right? And Roger Davies is still alive. Is that correct? Correct. I think has he come and seen the show?
3: I heard that he was at opening night, but I never met him. And it was uh, I was a little bummed, but it was also uh, one of those things. They're like, "Hey, you know, Roger was here, right?" I was like, "Was he?" (laughs) Are you just saying (laughs) that? (laughs) He was just trying to make other people smile. Oh yeah, you know, just you know. Uh, Oprah,
0: Oprah,
2: Tina
3: Turner. Oh my casual.
2: God, that is crazy! Like Oprah, Oprah was, was like walking Tina around.
3: I know I've told Larry this story before, but I was—I've never been more underprepared to meet a person. And Oprah just came; she came up to everyone individually, and she made it to me and put her hand out, almost in a way that looked like a high five. And I—I I was like, I'm not hitting Oprah. <laughs> And so I just kind of stared at her. And uh, and then someone leaned over to me and said like, hey, that's Oprah, like touch her hand. <laughs> and I, so then I looked at them, I was like, oh, you're right. So I went and I looked back to Oprah to like reach out and touch her hand and she already had moved on to the next person. No way. <laughs> so I missed that opportunity. Oh my opportunity. God.
2: Did you meet, you met Tina Turner at that, that performance? Or had you met Tina prior
3: to that? no that was it that was it and that was it was pretty amazing um she gave a speech at the end of that performance saying you know watching that was kind of like turning poison into medicine and i i thought that was so special to be able to you know it's hard to watch that show not as tina turner so when tina is able to sit down and actually like remember all those things that happened to her and then all those things that happened to her, you know, it's cool that she was able to kind of relive that through us and, and feel good about it. Cause I can't imagine that it was easy, but it was, it was definitely very special.
2: If you haven't seen this show, Tina is an incredible story. Tina Turner's life starring Adrian Warren, who gives this incredible performance that I just like I can't believe her body one moves like that and that her voice can produce the sound eight shows a week it's incredible I just there's never her a time, walking down the stairs
3: uh, there's never a time when everyone in the audience obviously but everyone on stage isn't in complete shock watching her do it you know yeah, it, it's it's special every time And it's, it's, it's not human what she does. I don't understand (laughs) it. Not, it's not like no scientist can explain what Adrian Warren is doing on that stage. And the fact that she's able to do it more than one time is just (laughs) insane. It's insane. (laughs) So she, she had done the show
2: in, in the West End.
3: I think she was i think she had done all the readings i might be wrong about that but i think she had been with the production from the start wow which you know they nailed it they they yeah. found her and <laughs> she's the one so uh, <laughs> found her. they they did it right and uh, i don't know how they did it but they did it and she did it in the west end um and and now she's of course tony nominated here if the tony's ever happen. yeah yeah. I assume yeah. she'll win one, <laughs> and if not, she'll win the next one, you know?
2: Yeah. For that first reading, when you first were in the room, and you're like, oh, I'm a part of the show. I,
3: I never have gotten goosebumps the way that I did when we when we sat down and, and did the read-sing-through for the first time. Because <laughs> you don't... You don't... Ex- I... I, I can't talk about it because there's no words I can say like yeah. i she got up to <laughs> sing it. It was like ten o'clock in the morning i don't even I don't know it, it's there's <laughs> I can't talk about it because it it you just have to experience it it is magic
0: if you haven't seen it, go see it it's just incredible
3: um Charles you've worked
2: with a lot of big names in the Broadway industry, some of them being i let say role models, maybe for you. Uh, which which ones have sort of? I know you you were a big. Uh, did you get to work with him?
3: With who? I'm sorry, it cut out. With Gavin Krill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was watching Mormon, my first. The first night I got to watch it, um, I was waiting for the show to start, and my, my buddy Jeff, who I went to school with, had been doing the show. And he texted me, and he's like, oh, congrats, you get to do Mormon. I was like, yeah, thanks. And he goes, and you get to do it with Gavin. And I was like, Gavin who? <laughs> and he was like, Creel. And I almost threw up, because Gavin Creel was like <laughs> the person I looked up to my whole life. He's like, you know what I, what I tried to model my voice after for for years before i realized i should probably be finding my own voice um but just it made the experience that more special and then what really brought it home was the fact that gavin was the most selfless kind generous talented human being that you will ever meet ever and uh gosh it's just so nice when when good people have good things happen to them because sometimes you meet people that you know you're like this person has everything they must be great and they're not but he is one of those people <laughs> that deserves every thing that he has and it's it's it was just such a pleasure getting to work with him
0: i've heard he's crazy is he a little crazy
3: <laughs> like crazy like
0: um like in like a fun way oh he's a blast he's a blast he is like the I definition of somebody just... Yeah, it's like goofing around. Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, he loves playing on stage. He obviously takes his job really seriously. But if something happens on stage, he's the kind of person where I feel like if someone sneezed in the middle of a scene, he would say, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean an audience. (laughs) Like, he is just like, he is ready to get whatever's thrown at him. If someone messes up, he's like ready to either make it a joke or go along with it or try to make them keep laughing and messing up. I mean, it's, it's just, it's because he's just playing. He knows it's, you know, the audience is there for a good time and he's going to give it to him.
0: And he is on board.
3: He is on (laughs) board.
2: Um, You mentioned your mother's voice studio earlier. Your mom is the best an amazing vocal coach teacher did you grow up taking lessons from her or did you god no did you guys all sort of
3: (laughs) no you know not really honestly but obviously she taught from home so no matter how many times i say i never got a lesson from my mom i got a hundred lessons from my mom a week because just this osmosis learning experience of like you know i know every word to part of your because i heard it <laughs> saturday morning from 8 a.m to you know 7 p.m but i i learned so much from my mom even if i never took you know we didn't have weekly lessons or anything but i would work on audition pieces with her sometimes and she would say why don't you try it like this and of course i would say no because she's my mom <laughs> and i don't want to listen to my mom because i'm not yeah. a nerd and and then eventually, you know, when I went and worked on it by myself, I would secretly take everything she told me to do and work through it, you know. But um, yeah. so, yes, I did take lessons with my mom. I don't like saying that I didn't because I technically didn't, but I absolutely did in a way. And I still would. You know, she's still t- I'm in my childhood bedroom right now, and she for sure teaches lessons all day long. And I hear it over Zoom, too. So there's a nice lag. Um, but i I've learned more. From my mom, than from anyone else. Absolutely, love that. Wow. Yeah, in every um, aspect um, of so life. You you've recently all
2: of the Franklins went were were back at home recently.
3: Is oh, yeah. that what was that experience like? Madness. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great. It's so nice because oh man, the 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 ability to spend time with your family in this business is is close to never i mean it's i get a week off twice a year and other than that you get you know you're one day off a week so there's no long weekend you can take if there's a long weekend in the real world that usually means we have an added show you know so it's like Mm -hmm. it's rare that you have time to spend and so obviously you know it's a pandemic and it's been it's been a really hard time but in a in a lot of ways it's been the ultimate blessing to be able to spend time with every single one of my family members who, you know, we never thought we'd have this time. If someone's doing a show, someone else is doing a show and, you know, it's, it's just someone has a day off and someone has a different day off. It's, it never happens. So it's, yeah. it was amazing. And, you know, we got to do some paint and sips from home and we had some family <laughs> dinners. And it's just been really great. Uh,
2: um, besides being an amazing performer, actor, singer, uh, Charles also is a composer and um, he composed the theme song to our podcast he which we sure love. did <laughs> um, he's also you recently uh composed for a show you did you yeah. do all of the music
3: can you tell us a little bit about that and where we yeah. can find that sure stream? um well actually the streaming ended but we are working on uh, taking this show the show is called a loan it's a one-man clown show my best friend aaron is um Phenomenal clown uh, He has a degree, he went to clown school in Canada oh, yeah. At the very famous L'Ecole Nationale de Cirque um, It's like directly next door To the Cirque de Soleil headquarters It's pretty um, unbelievable And uh, he had been working on this show for a while And he messaged me One day and just said hey would you want to write a song For this and I was like yeah sure Absolutely I, I would love to because you know I'm trying to work on Getting more out there with it but I had written a couple that he had sent me this version of his show that he did without my music. And it had a couple of songs in it already. And so I was kind of just writing along to the video of the show. And then he did another production with some of the songs. And then he did another production with a couple more. And now he was doing an online stream of it, which you know, one man shows are great during this time because he could just, you know, had it professionally filmed and it was phenomenally done. And I had uh, the opportunity to write a couple more songs and so I had written all but three or four songs in the show, I think. And it was just such a great experience. It was so nice to have a, you know, a friend who who asked me to do something like that because I, the opportunity is just, it's worth so much. I, I finally have to just, I can't just do it on my own because I would never do it. He, he gave me a deadline and he had faith in me and i it, it ended up being great. And now we're, um, he's working on, a touring production of that same show. And uh, I'm going to hopefully end up writing all the music for that one. So that's really exciting. Wow. Yeah. And then, sweet, sweet Larry Ray texted me and was like hey would you want to do this and I was like absolutely I would want to do it <laughs> and then you know the first thing I sent him I was like hey how's this sound?" he's like I love it and I'm like do you actually love it or are you just Larry Ray and you just said <laughs> so yeah. we'll never know if Larry actually loves the opening theme song to <laughs> yeah, this podcast I love, but no, we it, love uh, it. you got it
0: <laughs> it's perfect it is perfect for what our
2: show is Jeez. I'm glad um Charles if you had advice if you could go back and give um freshman Charles some advice Uh, what
3: what would you tell him? I had this conversation this morning with a couple of my friends I have this conversation a lot because there's too many things there's too many things (laughs) so I'm going to narrow it down to three one of them is just to be a good person you have to be the best version of yourself as much as you can. Obviously that means to be yourself. But, you know, be the you that you are, you know, when you're that person you you love being that person. You make other people feel good. So try to focus on being that person as much as possible. I'm not saying all the time. Obviously you have to have negatives and the positives. Two, don't take everything so seriously. And I'm still dealing with that, but I'm getting a lot better at it. And freshman me, oh, man, freshman me needed to hear that, especially in this business. You can't take anything seriously. So that. And then the third thing is just to work a little harder. I think I I wasted a lot of time, and I think um, I don't know if, you know, maybe I would still have gotten as lucky as I I was, but I think I'm realizing now, and maybe it's just – a stage in the journey of getting older that you just realize how much time you've been wasting and you only get 24 hours in the day and you got to use them wisely. And obviously that doesn't mean not to be lazy sometimes and not to take some downtime because you need that too, but just to, you know, work hard. Don't try to breeze by on anything. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I love all that. I I have a question for you. Yeah. This is a fun question that I like asking everyone that comes on this show. If you had... Three to five minutes to live, Charlie Franklin. Only Three to five minutes. What song would you want to listen to? Ooh. And it could song? be, it could just be like your answer for today and it could change tomorrow. Yeah. But, you know, what is this, what is that song for you?
3: Three to five minutes. Okay. Three to, I mean, you
0: but... know, I, I say that, but like, I think we had our, our friend Gabe Ford Dunker on and he was like, mine's an entire 25 minute symphony. And I was like, yeah. okay sure
3: but <laughs> that's what 30 mine was gonna minutes. be well
0: that's fine what is it?
3: <laughs> if it if i had 15 minutes actually i think it's somewhere around 15 minutes it might be a little less i would listen to the penultimate song of the et soundtrack the bike chase because that music is just so special it makes me feel so many things and i love Aww. it so much but if i had three to five minutes <laughs> uh, i'd probably go with another film score uh, i would go with test drive from how to train your dragon because i also love that one wow i'm a film score nerd you guys oh, that's okay that's what's your favorite film score uh i i think it's how to train your dragon actually it yeah. changes daily of course i love them all I've, I've started working out with my brother to the incredible soundtrack and that you get, oh. I'm pumped. You get it <laughs> awesome let's
0: <Looks cool>.
3: go <laughs> at first he was like we're not working out to this and then by the end of the day he's like we're working out to this every single day <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love it. I love it. Um, oh, something man. else that we like to do on this show is um, we have a winner of the week. Some um, would like to spotlight, highlight, praise for their achievements this week or just being who they are. Um, who would your winner of the week be?
3: Who would my winner of the week be? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gosh. Winner of the week. It can be anybody at all, or like an event
0: or Anyone, like a movie you saw. They
3: could be a live dead. Oh, I a see. Movement, a, just like, something yeah. that was
0: like, yeah, this made my week like great. Like,
2: yeah.
3: Okay. Me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna sound so stupid. I um, I recently read Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It is a book basically about his journey through his life, and you know. A couple of things that he took away from it and um i have been referring back to that in my life a lot and so i'm gonna have to choose specifically matthew mcconaughey's green lights and if you haven't read that book i would highly recommend it and i would highly recommend doing the audible version because he reads it <laughs> <And> <laughs> you will have so um, much fun yes. turning the volume up and down because he goes from like, <laughs> i'm a matthew to this is me talking right now. <laughs> and he ends every chapter, it's the best. So green light basically is him saying like, you know, this is a great way to move forward. You did it. Like, that's a green light. It, it's You did it. And so every chapter ends with him like telling a story about like something he did. And then he just, I picture him leaning in close to his mic and just going, green light. <laughs> and it is so great.
0: <laughs> green light that's brilliant Regan w- who's your winner of the week oh gosh well while you were explaining it I mouthed to Charles I was like I don't have one but I think I do have one uh, <laughs> a couple day. today is Thursday yes Tuesday. March 4th that is correct um, Tuesday of this week I okay so have you guys seen the show Emily in Paris I have not yet yes <laughs>
3: Do you okay. know that's Emily
0: Collins and Paris? Daughter? It is. Maybe it is Emily and Paris. Well, this isn't about Emily and Paris. Kind of is, but apparently there's like a <laughs> one of the episodes they had. They did like a they like filmed in this exhibit, and it was like an immersive exhibit with all Vincent Van Gogh's work, and so it was like all projections and like it's up on the walls and it's everywhere. And so they like it was so successful in paris that they they brought it outside of paris and now it's it's currently in chicago which is where i'm at and uh i was able to go on tuesday and it's amazing i i had like no idea what to expect i was like i I know like van like i don't really know van gogh but we get there and It's, it's this, it's this building in old town, which is like a a neighborhood in like a Northern Chicago. And it's just this art space that they converted and like what they were able to do with all these projections and like the, like they it's a whole, it's like a 25 minute loop that just plays over and over. And you can like, once you're in there, you can kind of just like, there's little, like there's the six foot circles everywhere. So you have to sit six feet apart and you just can like sit there and like, it's literally everywhere. And we sat there, I think, for, like, almost two hours. And we watched this thing, like, just over and over and over. And, like, the music was great. And, like, you're literally looking at these, these paintings everywhere that he painted. And it was just so cool. It was just, like, a breath of fresh air. I keep telling people of, of, you know, I've been doing stuff to try and, like, stay artistically fulfilled. And I think this was something that I didn't have to do myself. Like, I didn't have to, like, be like, I'm going to sing this song. and I'm going to feel fulfilled. Like, I got to watch yeah. somebody else's art. And it was so fulfilling, and I was just, like super happy that I went. And that's my
3: winner of the week. That is awesome. I yeah, love Van man.
2: It's beautiful.
3: Larry. It looks. It looks really. Yeah, beautiful. Larry. Um, well, my
2: winner of the week, as always, Michelle Obama. Of course, Nashua. winner of the week every week. She um, will be a guest <laughs> one day.
3: Snaps.
2: I can't wait for her new new show to premiere. Um, but. I would have to say uh, Pfizer. I I received my vaccine shot today. Yes. We'll see how it, yes. how we how we do. Um, um. So I think that those those are my winners. Of well, Charles, thank you so much for being a part oh of our gosh. podcast. And yes. again, time
0: we learned so I'm,
2: much. I'm
3: so honored.
0: You. Before we go, where can people um, uh, where can people find you on? social media is there anything you want to like plug here this is your time sir
3: sure um my instagram is it's charlie franklin um (laughs) that's pretty much it
0: (laughs) and you can catch him in Um, tina when broadway returns i hope so (laughs) well awesome Charles, uh, it has truly been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so so much.
3: uh thank you both.
0: Any last any last words of wisdom? I would like to say to our our,
2: our listeners, don't forget to subscribe, follow us at um, Sure Why Not Podcast. Thank you for listening to us. Also, make good decisions, have fun, and remember, dreams don't have deadlines.
0: That's
2: right.
0: Thanks for listening, y'all. Be well. Bye.